0: Good morning. Sure is good to look out and see all of you. Uh, Renee and I were gone last week. We, <clears throat> we had a, w- a wedding anniversary to celebrate on September 22nd, and last Sunday was, weekend was the first weekend we had a chance to do it. <laughs> uh, so things are quite busy in our home like they are in your home. And, uh, but it's, it was wonderful to get away We went up to St. Augustine and saw the night of lights uh, as they kicked the lights on, you know, over the old town. It was a wonderful time. But also took time to listen to and watch uh, Brenton deliver a great message last Sunday morning. And so very thankful to the Lord for those in our body like Brenton who can deliver the word. Amen. Amen. Well, this morning I wanted to go in a different direction and give us just a, a week break, actually it'll be longer than a week, we'll, we'll actually do a, a Christmas series starting next weekend, and uh, then we'll return to the book of Acts after the first of the year. So we'll take a little bit of a breather, and that's not a bad thing, because it keeps us fresh, you know, we'll be ready to get back to it come the first of the year. But uh, today I wanted to just extend this spirit of thanksgiving and I hope you did have a great Thanksgiving. Some of you look like you are living out the, uh, the, the results of a good Thanksgiving. That's a very positive way of saying, you know what I mean. And, uh, but also, uh, I hope that the tryptophan has worn off. You're not generating any more melatonin in your body. And you'll be able to listen this morning and, and be encouraged by, by the word of the Lord. And I want to begin, uh, if we can, first of all, giving thanks to God for what we experienced on Thanksgiving Day out at Teen Challenge at their campus. And what a wonderful time of uh, sharing. And I want to thank each and every one of you who prepared food. You took time in your own home to cook a meal, to cook something for those boys. And then we delivered it to the boys. And uh, boy, were they thrilled. And there was so much food that not even, how many young men were there, Ralph? How many young men are in the program at this time? 27. 27. Not even 27 young men could finish off all, all the food that we prepared. And uh, so there was plenty for leftovers, and I'm sure they had a wonderful meal that evening. In fact, one of them said to me, he was appealing to the leaders that they could eat later in the evening because this lunch is so good. We're eating so much. We want to have time to recover, and then we can have another big meal tonight. So (laughs) if we could push the meal back a little bit, and uh, it was wonderful. Uh, I want you to take your Bible, if you will, and open it up to 1 Thessalonians. We're going to go to 1 Thessalonians, and we're going to be in this passage for just a moment this morning. We'll be in chapter 5 at the end of 1 Thessalonians. This is a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church uh, in Thessalonica. And uh, this letter in particular is about end times. It's about things that are going to happen at the end when the Lord returns. But it's also, if you are a premillennialist, you see the rapture being taught here in this passage and the coming of the Lord. And We're not going to get into that this morning, that's not the focus, but I do want to focus on his benediction, on his final blessing and benediction. And so Paul gives some instructions at the close. If you look at chapter 5, verse 12, he closes out this letter to the church in Thessalonica and he says, we ask you brothers to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work so this is interesting he's actually beginning he's teaching them telling them how a pastor or a shepherd or shepherds are to serve the people and he gives basically three things there he said you need to respect those who first of all they labor among you The word labor in the Greek literally means to a place of complete exhaustion, that they are willing to exhaust themselves for the sake of the body, to care for the body. And then he says, and and they also, they are over you. That's the role in the Bible that speaks of a bishop. And a pastor is a bishop, is a shepherd. Those three terms, along with the term elder, they all mean the same thing. And so we use the term elder in our church. We also use the term pastor. But the word pastor is only mentioned three times in the entire New Testament. The word shepherd is used much more common. It's much more common. But the role of a shepherd pastor is to be over, to have oversight, spiritually speaking, of the body of Christ. And so that's what he's addressing. He's saying, look, these are guys who are laboring. They, are, they have responsibility to oversee the whole body. And then thirdly, uh, they are to admonish you. That is to warn you. That is to instruct you with firmness. That they, they come alongside with the Word of God. They don't instruct you out of their own ideas, out of their own opinions. They instruct you from the Word of the Lord. And when they speak, they should speak with authority. A pastor should not get up in front of people, lay his Bible down, and talk to people like he's just one of them and no big deal. And you know, let me just come he comes across as just a common man. No, he is to bring the truth of the word of the living God to people. And when he speaks it, he speaks it with authority. He, as a person, has no authority. No pastor, no shepherd has authority. But when he speaks this, he has authority. When he lays this down, the authority is laid down. That's important for us to understand. Our shepherds at Viral Bible Fellowship are humble men who have experienced brokenness in their lives, just like you. And when they're talking to you as a man speaks to another man, They're speaking out of their heart and their own experience. But when they pick up the Bible to teach the Word of God, they must set aside their personality, set aside their own personal ideas and opinions, and they speak with authority the Word of the living God. That's what God has called pastors to, to bear that burden of bringing the Word to God's people. And and then he says this, not only does he... He says, esteem them. And and what that really is speaking of is it's 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 recognize their their position that God has given them, the calling that God has given them. Be mindful of that. So esteem them. Respect them in that role that God's given them. And, And he goes further. Do it highly in love because of their work, because they are going to carry out God's work among you and those in the body. Esteem them. Respect them because they are representing God. And by the way, they will one day answer to God for the role that they served in. And then it says he moves from pastors serving people but he then just talks about people and how they're to respond to pastors that's where the esteeming comes in and the loving of the of the shepherd leader because of their work and then he says now let's turn the people towards people now here's how you should handle and 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 respond to one another he says be at peace among yourselves and we urge you brothers admonish the idol admonish the idol those who have a tendency to drift they have a tendency to fall into rebellion admonish them in other words warn them encourage them with firmness admonish them and then he says encourage the faint hearted faint hearted here means fear and doubt those who are filled with fear and doubt what did he say encourage They're filled with fear and doubt. Put courage in them. This is not a shepherd that is doing this, although we are called to do it, but he's specifically saying, you, the body of Christ, should encourage those who are faint-hearted, who are filled with fear and doubt. Don't make fun of them. Don't laugh them off. Don't push them off. Go to them. Put courage in them. God's going to bring you through this. I've been where you are. He's going to bring you through. You hold on. You keep your eyes on Jesus. You see, you're bringing that word to them. Help the weak. In other words, those who are without spiritual and moral strength, help them. Be patient with them all. So so you as a body are to be patient with one another. Give everybody the benefit of the doubt Give everyone the opportunity to do what's right. Don't say, well, I'm not going to tell him because I know what he'll do. You just judged. You're not God. You don't know his heart, her heart. No. Give them the opportunity to do what's right. Go to them if there's an offense and share with them what happened. Give them the opportunity to see the error of their way and to ask forgiveness and be reconciled. That's loving one another. That's what we're called to To do inside the body. And then he says in verse 15, see that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. In other words, don't allow gossip to stir up in the body that puts certain members down while others are being so they think they're being lifted up. Look, it takes no size to criticize. And when you criticize, you're speaking more about you than the person you're criticizing. I want to I say this to you. If someone has come to you or comes to you and they have a negative word about someone else in the body, I want you to remember this now. When they start off talking to you about someone else in the body, you just know That if they're talking to you right now about someone else, when they talk to others, it will be about you. Don't give any place for that in the body. Lovingly call them out on it. You're better than that. Have you gone to the person and shared what you're concerned about? Because that's what we see, we hide it behind concern. We get on the phone with sister whoever, and we get on that phone and we say, uh, we, we need to be praying for Brother Jones. Oh, what, what, what's going on? Well, let me tell you. And the gossip begins. Do you really care about Brother Jones? On the other end, you should say, have you spoken with Brother Jones Have you met with Brother Jones to pray with him before you came to me? Because that's the appropriate response, right? Love one another. Don't give place to gossip and murmuring and fault-finding and bringing a negative report. That's not the way the body should should act. And and then, verse 16, this is getting to where we want to, we're going to take a moment and we're going to practice the Scripture. He he says there's three things in particular that are common in the Christian life. If you are a believer in Christ today, this is to be part of your life. Every day. Get this, all day long. These are not events, this is a way of living. Look what he says Rejoice. How often? You know what he's saying? He's saying rejoicing is always appropriate. It's always appropriate. There's a way to rejoice. It's always appropriate. Secondly, pray without ceasing. That doesn't mean keep your eyes closed on your knees 24-7. It means have an attitude of prayer, never forgetting who your heavenly Father is And that He is at your disposal 24-7 that you can bring requests to Him. Come boldly into the throne of grace and receive help in your time of need. Every day, all day long, you should remain in a constant state of prayer, an attitude of prayer, bringing things to the Lord. Like my Uncle Al, who was a pastor over on the west coast of Florida for many years. He could go through a red light, you know, a green light. It wasn't red for He can go through a green light, but somebody, it was red for somebody else, and they would pass right over in front. He'd say, Bless you, brother. And he was doing it as a prayer. That was him, that was him offering up for that person who ran a red light. He's offering up a prayer to God for that man. Bless him, Lord. See, that's a state of mind. Paul says this is not something you do every once in a while. You need to always rejoice. You should always pray. And then here it is. Give thanks in all circumstances. He leaves no circumstance out. He just throws them all in the same box and says, it doesn't really matter what the circumstance is. You've got to find a way to give thanks in it. Why? Because God is still in control. No, bad, no matter how bad things get, no matter what you face in life, God's in control. He says this, he puts it on the end of these three things. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. And it's concerning you. This People are always wondering, what's the will of God? I wonder what the will of God is for my life. He just told you. The will of God is that you rejoice always, that you pray constantly, and that you give thanks in all things. You're fulfilling the will of God. That's a pretty good start on the will of God. Amen? We should live in that. We should live in it. Paul over in 1 Corinthians, I'm sorry, Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter, um, let's see, 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 4 Paul just lays it out, all the things that he's gone through, the way he's suffered for the Lord. This is what he says in, in verse 8. He says, We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. In other words, what he's saying about death here is that not that he has this death you know spirit over him he's saying that i live because christ died and therefore my life is found in him i've died to myself i live in christ and because i live in christ every day that i live in christ my life is in my hands because people could stone me to death people could beat me up and they did He says, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. And and then he goes further, and he says something here in verse 15, I think is beautiful. He says, for it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. As the gospel goes out through harsh treatment and persecution, Paul says, but to the people, grace is being extended, and to the degree that grace is extended, thanksgiving to God is offered up. Why? Because people are getting saved. People's lives are transformed. People who had no hope now have hope in Christ. It's a change completely for them. And in that is always thanksgiving to God. What's he saying to us today from this text? He's saying that when you go through two years of COVID and you lose loved ones and you face sickness yourself and you see life getting more difficult and the economy isn't as it used to be and inflation is rising and all the things that are going on, he's saying you can still rejoice in the Lord. Always rejoice. Continue to pray without ceasing and give thanks in every situation for whatever you're facing in life. Somebody else probably has it worse. None of us here have it worse than everybody, right? Somebody else is far worse off than what you're facing in life. That's that's the truth. That's the reality. So why not go ahead and find the good in what God's doing in the bad? God doesn't waste anything in your life. He doesn't waste the difficulties, the adversities, the setbacks, the weaknesses, the sin. He wants to bring about something good. And He's at work in you to sanctify you, to conform you to the image of Jesus. And He uses the difficulties more than He can use the good times for us. Because in the good times, we're not looking to grow in God. It's when, you know, Satan has his foot on our neck That all of a sudden, we're listening to God, looking for God, crying out to God. Give thanks for that, that God's listening in all situations. Well, this morning, what I'd like to do for the remainder of our time is do just that. I I, I want us to think about God's grace. When you think about grace, there's two ways of looking biblically at grace. There is what is called saving grace, obviously It's a grace that God gives that allows for a person to be saved. If someone has experienced saving grace, they are a Christian. They are a believer. But you and I know that the world's filled with a lot of people who are not believers. They don't have saving grace. But even they have grace. The Bible refers to a common grace that is given to all men. It is the grace of God that allows any person who doesn't know the Lord to be alive. Why? Because when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, immediately God cast them out of the garden and God implemented his redemption plan that through Jesus Christ's death, we could be forgiven of our sins and be eternally saved. But the reality is, For the world who has not received Christ, they still get the benefits of common grace given by God. They still have opportunity to live. The wages of sin is death. We sinned, we should be dead. We're not. Why? God's common grace. And then people have a chance who don't know the Lord to have a good job. They have a chance to have a family, a wife, a husband. They go through life with these many blessings. All are common graces of God to them. Common graces. Well, today what I'd like for us to do is consider the graces of God in our lives. The salvation of the Lord, saving grace, but also the things that God has allowed us to experience Every one of us should be able to get up to a microphone and testify and say, I am thankful that God allowed me to live after I sinned. After knowing that Adam and Eve sinned, yet God lets me live. That, that You're bringing glory to God when you do that. So I want to open the mic. So I want to give you, the people, an opportunity. If the Lord moves you to come forward and just in, in a sentence or two, Not taking a long time. We're not looking for a sermonette. Uh, We're looking for, listen, it's not about us. It's not about me, myself, and I. It's about bringing glory to God, to share a grace of God in your life. I am thankful for my wife of 37 years the bride of my youth, and what a blessing of God that He allowed me to marry Renie. I would not be in the ministry if I had not been equipped by God with the right wife. I thank God for that. I thank God for that. See, that's not about me. That's about what God has done for me that's what we're looking for. We're looking for how God has blessed you. Even coming through all the mess we've been through, God uses that. Amen? What did Joseph say to his brothers after being thrown into a cave, left to die, being taken into slavery, being handed over to prison, being in prison, locked up, then being falsely accused by Potiphar's wife of trying to make a move on her? All these things. Finally, David or Joseph was raised up by God, and what did He say to His brothers? You meant it for evil, but God, He used it for good. Can you say that? Can you give glory to God, even in the difficulties? And so, let's just—if you want to come up—here's what I would ask you to do: give us your name, and then just share in a couple sentences what you what the grace of God means to you. Get just share give glory to God, brag on Jesus and what he's done in your life. Let's just take a few minutes and let's, as a fellowship on the weekend of Thanksgiving, give thanks. Amen?